Welcome to the Shamrock, presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna at Top Scott Stadium. We had a throng of admirers of the Shamrock here tonight, <laughs> uh, so we were stopped everywhere we went. Um, but Notre Dame, 23 winners over Virginia. I don't. The game certainly was a bit disjointed without Brendan Armstrong from Virginia's point of view. They couldn't do anything offensively until it had essentially been decided by halftime. Um, Notre Dame, I feel like, could have put 42 on them with little effort, um, but didn't turn over at the goal line with Tyler Buckner and Logan Diggs. But, uh, I mean, overall, it's... I think if you if you watch Notre Dame tonight in the in sort of the playoff context, you would you would look at Notre Dame as a team that's getting better and and playing good football, which is not something you could say about everybody right now. Absolutely, I mean a, a dominant performance all around. The the final score, you know, they won by twenty five. I don't think really tells the whole story at all. I mean, we both made the joke in game, and there, there's truth in every joke, which is why they're funny. Fred and Armstrong may have won the Heisman tonight. I mean, yeah. holy cow! Even Bronco Mendenhall, a Virginia coach. Uh, on Monday when he was talking about, you know, his status and what he means to this team, he basically said, you know, no disrespect to any other quarterback around the country, but, like, as far as who means the most to their team, like, it's Brendan Armstrong. And he brought up that exact quote tonight, and he said, I think that was validated tonight. <laughs> um, no kidding. Um, Virginia is a program, frankly, very disappointing. I, I mean, I didn't think they'd win tonight without Armstrong, but I thought they'd show a pulse, um, especially as, you know, we're on the sideline pregame, and, Oh wait, there's Myron Tangavailamosa and Drew White. Yeah, both like, not dressed. Like wait, a and minute. there was a pregame status report issued before that that neither were on. And you do the math. I mean, Avery Davis is out. Kyle Hamilton's out. You're down four captains. And look, the point spread was going in one direction for a reason. As the game, you know, as we got closer to game time, and that's because everyone assumed Armstrong wouldn't play, and therefore Notre Dame would win. But I'm like, yeah, at some point, this does have to catch up to you, right? Yeah. Even if Virginia isn't potent offensively, and it just didn't matter. I mean, I, I was frankly, you know, impressed and survived that they're impressed um, and, and relieved that, that Jay Wolfolk like survived. Like it got to the point where he was getting hit so much, he was so overwhelmed. Um, you know, they have a South Bend native as as his backup, who I thought they would have tried to get in the game just to spare Wolfolk and to give um, was it. Uh, Eric, no, not Eric. Ike Armstead, is it? Yes. Ike Armstead. Um, a chance to play against his hometown team. Like, it, it just, those first four possessions, I think. I mean, there was a fourth down stop, and I think there were three straight touchdowns for Notre Dame, and it was 21 nothing. And, like, there was, you're just at that point wondering how bad it's going to get because it was clearly two teams on two different levels. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that's 23 straight Regular season wins over ACC competition. Obviously, it excludes the ACC title game with Clemson last year and dates back to, I think, a loss to Virginia Tech at the end of the 2016 season. 40 straight wins over unranked teams. Georgia Tech is 3-7. and seven, Stanford's 3-7. and seven. Um, That streak should carry into next season um, at 42 straight, which means Notre Dame is going to a New Year's sixth game at worst. Uh, Brian Kelly... I wanted him to sort of engage on the playoff politicking question. I wasn't quite sure if he was going to do that because, like, Notre Dame is like sort of has been behind the pack, obscured ever since they lost to Cincinnati. It's just not a team that people are talking about on a national level. Um, and he's like, "Look, we're a team that's getting better." Uh, I would not argue with that at all, um, especially on a week where he said 
you know, it wasn't just Drew White and Myron Tongavailoa Mosa tonight. He said 13 players were dealing with illnesses throughout the week that instituted some COVID testing as well. Uh, it was just a, a challenging week, I think, for the program to, to pull it together. Um, you know, he said Nana Safamenza was not close to 100% tonight. You know, Ramon Henderson, who had a kind of his first signature performance, I think, mm-hmm. at Notre Dame, uh, was sick at the beginning of the week. Also moved to, to fieldside safety on, like, Tuesday uh, and just was totally fine. Uh, and it was interesting to sort of hear him talk through his interception because, we, you know, he's asked sort of, like, what did you see on the pick? Uh, and he's like, what did I see? You mean, like, the ball? football? Um, and so I got rephrased. He was like, no, 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 like, how did you sort of experience the play come out? And he, he noted how before the snap, DJ Brown told him what to do to show cover too high and then then break back on the ball. So, I mean, that's interesting to me from the standpoint of those are two guys that Notre Dame didn't expect really to be on the field a whole lot. Um, and they're out here making a, a play that helps put Virginia away. So it's, you know, you saw Riley moves bump out to Riley Mills bump out to end. Um, that worked well enough that he finished with what two sacks, including one on fourth down. Uh, was you know pretty dominant player. You know Prince Collie got in the game at linebacker. Um, Jordan Batello's playing a little bit more. Xavier Watts um, playing more now in the regular rotation. Um, you know offensively, Jaden Thomas got in the game in the first quarter. Uh, a freshman receiver who has not played at all this season, but the staff is high on for the long haul. Um, so it's interesting that Notre Dame could get better and get younger at the same time. It usually doesn't work that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that Ron Henderson reception, he looked like the receiver on that play. The minute it left yeah. the quarterback's arm, it was like, all right, we know where this one's ended up. Um, it, it was just a dominant performance all, all along. And I think, you know, we, we were talking to uh, a, a friend of the pod from Richmond as we were walking in, and, and you made the comment of, I think, Kyron, maybe, were you, you or he said Kyron Koresh for 200 yards yeah. tonight. The team ran for 249 and averaged 6.6 yards per carry. Kyron only had 70, but he only got 14 carries because, I mean, even Jack Cohen finished with positive yardage on the ground tonight. I mean, it was there for the taking for Notre Dame. Um, I, I would by no means say, like, any way, shape, or form disappointed by 28-3, but I also look at this game and feel like they should have won by more, definitely could have won by more. Um, Cohen had a bad pick. There was a fumble in the red zone. Um, it, it was just... The fourth down stop was kind of... Yeah, poorly executed, weird play call. It was you know that gets stopped. Yeah, maybe it was, does Virginia have momentum? Do they not? Notre Dame looks like they're going to kick a field goal their second time with the ball in the exact same spot. Calls a timeout. Yeah, and I'm thinking, just just get the points right here. And I, I'm like the least conservative guy ever when it comes to stuff. I'd like to treat it like a video game and think you should go for it every time. <laughs> but I'm thinking, eh, you know, you got stopped once. You really want to give a crowd where you're losing all these captains like motivation and it. it it just didn't matter. Like they, they knew they were the better team. They knew they should have ran it with Kyron the first time. They did it the second time and play later. Michael Mayer's in for the first of several touchdowns for Notre Dame tonight that um, just really showed the disparity between two teams. And, um, you know, I mean, when you consider opponent and venue, I mean, you know, they beat USC handily, but USC got within, I think, a possession in the second yeah. half there. Yeah. This game against the opponent who they're only a touchdown favorite against, and again, there was uncertainty around the quarterback, and we understand why now. Um, as far as just like complete domination, I mean, I don't like they didn't dominate Wisconsin. You know, they, they had a crazy no. fourth quarter. Um, this game was like, whoa, like maybe we do need to like eleven and one was probably going to happen either way. But the way they're looking while playing 11-1, like, I'm glad, like, Brian Kelly has presented the opportunity to essentially 
politic for his team because as much as me and you and probably everyone else, you know, laughed at this notion two weeks ago when the first playoff rankings right. came out, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I can like visualize that scenario now. Um, yeah, I mean, so much easier than I could have a week or two ago. You know, Oklahoma's loss today helps. Um, I don't think Notre Dame got much help other than that. Um, Michigan losing at Penn State would have been uh, very significant if that had occurred. It did not. Um, so it's, you know, Oregon is up. That was kind of a, I think we both felt like maybe they had a chance to have a flat tire game at home against Washington State. 14 7, second quarter. Okay. It's, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, not, not a week where I think Notre Dame got a lot of help, but like, there's only two weeks left in the season, and the number of like good on good games remaining, where somebody has to lose, is very very significant. So I would I would Big expect 10, one, yeah, or two probably. Big, 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 Big Twelve teams. has multiples. Yes. Um, you know, Pac-12 has Oregon, Utah probably twice uh, in the regular season yeah. and the Pac-12 championship game. So lose, th- Oregon loses even one of those. Yeah, they're I, out. I mean, it's like when I the first playoff rankings came out, I sort of mapped out the path and I put slim and none in the headline. It's, I mean, certainly not none. It may be upgraded above slim. Um, you know, it's is it a is it likely? No, but it's not a long shot anymore either. Especially the way Notre Dame is playing, because you're not going to have the Notre Dame discussion be like the Cincinnati discussion of like, yeah, they're not really. Not really do anything right. for me. Like Notre Dame looks good doing it. They're they're getting better and getting younger at the same time. Um, the committee doesn't really care at all about the getting younger part, but they do care about the getting better part. So that that to me will be significant. And then, I mean, you you wonder like, does Notre Dame sort of view this as like, okay, well, Kyle Hamilton could he come back for the playoff? Because I mean, I, I watch. I don't know if you watched him jog off the field. He's limping. Um, he is not moving well at all. Could he come back for a playoff game as almost as a carrot to put Notre Dame in the playoff because they would be a better team, obviously, with him? I don't know. Didn't um, even think of that, but yeah, it's crazy. We're like talking about. I know it it's a, it's a strange bunch of hypotheses to kick out. Um, you know, I I think sort of drilling down into this one a little bit. I Notre Dame should have scored more than twenty eight points in this game. Um, However, I, I do like the way that Reese called the game when Notre Dame was moving, you know, the misdirection to Styles, the misdirection yeah. to Lindsey. Um, the deep shot to, to Kevin Austin that was picked off was a bad decision by Jack Cohn, not a, not a play-calling problem. Um, you know, the fourth down one stop, and stop on the Cohn sneak is much more of a play-calling issue. But, I mean, overall, I, I think that, you know, Notre Dame continues to Kind of know thyself offensively. Um, I know people want 42, 49 points, and this this was a game where it was clearly there to take because Virginia's defense is abysmal. But um, I think that at least Notre Dame has itself figured out. And like whether they beat Virginia 42 to three or 28 to three or 35 to three, I'm not sure the optics change all that much. No, I don't think so. It, 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 it's weird. I mean, it's crazy that there's only two games left in the season. Um, but Notre Dame players and coaches can't say this. Me and you can. Like they're going eleven to one. Like that's like not right. even up for debate right now. Like they could have a COVID outbreak, and as long as the game doesn't get canceled, they're going to be Georgia Tech and Stanford. Like it, it's we can put the cart before the horse in that regard. That's why I think it's kind of tantalizing to, to play out all these scenarios and have good old fashioned scoreboard watching these next three weeks, including conference championship week, because 
there might be a path there. I mean, this Virginia team, if they get, as, as we know, is completely different with Brennan Armstrong. Yeah. And this game does absolutely nothing to affect their ACC chances. And if they win at Pittsburgh next week, which they might if Brennan Armstrong plays, and if they beat Virginia Tech at home the following week, which they probably will because that's going to be Justin Fuente's probably last game as Virginia Tech's coach, they're going to the ACC title game, uh, which means they could win the ACC. And that would give Notre Dame a really um, decisive win over the ACC champ. Wisconsin looks like, I don't think they've clinched yet, but like they're going to go to the Big Ten um, championship game. And I still haven't really seen anything from that offense that makes me think they could beat in Ohio State or really any of those teams in the East. But if they do, guess what? That's wins for Notre Dame over two Power Five champions. Big wins over two Power Five champions that also are eliminated from the playoff. Um, if Oregon loses one more game, the Pac-12 is eliminated from the playoff. Those are three of the five conferences that are out. Obviously, having Cincinnati somewhat in the mix complicates things a little bit. Frankly, and I'm curious to hear your opinion on this, I think a Cincinnati loss would hurt Notre Dame at this point because that's Notre Dame's only loss. Uh, I Man, I, I feel like I'm not I'm torn on this one because at first, before Cincinnati really started to like play poorly and like look like a team you're like, uh, I'm not sure if I feel good about them as a, a top four team anymore. I would have said that Nordic's best chance to make the playoff was to go yeah. with with Cincinnati. I would have said that a couple weeks ago too. I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. I don't and I don't think a loss is going to hurt Notre Dame against Cincinnati as much as you would think because I what Cincinnati will drop down, they'd probably still be what be ninth, tenth? If with a loss, yeah, with a loss, uh, let's say I, if I they, had no idea. To be if they lost there. a tight game to SMU, or they lost the the American um, title game to Houston, but it was 35-33, they're still going to be in the top ten. Notre Dame's going to have a top ten win, and, and I think at that point, you could could you make the argument for Notre Dame over Cincinnati after Cincinnati loses? If Notre Dame beats Georgia Tech thirty-five to seven and beats Stanford thirty-eight to ten, I mean, I don't. Can I sit here today with a straight face and be like, Notre Dame is better than Cincinnati. They deserve to get it over them. No, but I do think there's an argument to be made, and I think that argument's a lot easier to make. When you see what this committee – like, they just put Michigan over Michigan State 10 days <laughs> after Michigan State beat them. Yes. And they have the exact same records, very similar opponents are in the same conference, and the exact same conference records. So, like, head-to-head is not as big of a component as I think we all would like it to be. Obviously, in some cases yeah. it is, in the case of Oregon right now, uh, against Ohio State. But I just think, I don't know, I just, I think Cincinnati is going to fall no matter what unless they win these next couple games by, um, you know, an incredible amount. But they, it's, it's SMU this week at Eastern Carolina than it would be against Houston. In and the SMU, ABC yeah. Championship game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know if there's – I mean, not that Notre Dame has meat on the bone, but I do think retroactively Notre Dame's schedule could get enhanced if Wisconsin and Virginia um, went out. These are both obviously very big hypotheticals that have nothing – that Notre Dame has zero control over whatsoever right now. But I, I think the overall body of work um, might go to Notre Dame in that regard. Yeah, it might. It would be uh, – I think it would be pretty dicey – That'd be a gutsy decision by the committee to put a one-loss Notre Dame over a one-loss Cincinnati, considering the head-to-head. But probably like you and like many of our listeners, can absolutely see it happening. I mean, who's who's playing better football right now? Yeah, I mean, if Notre Dame and Cincinnati played again, I would pick Notre Dame to win. I think pretty comfortably. 
Um, I'd pick a Berlin. I, I mean, I, they would be the favorite. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like if they played on a neutral field, I feel like they'd probably be a three or four point favorite. Um, and I'd probably pick them to win by seven at least because I, I just don't think Cincinnati's playing good football anymore. Um, as much as we talk about Notre Dame, Cincinnati's really banged up right now. I do want to like right. acknowledge that. Which, like, you know, everyone at Virginia. Yeah. No, yeah, I, yeah. They're not alone. Notre Dame banged up as well. Um, so, you know, but I think that that's part. Like, why is Notre Dame in such a healthy spot as a program? It's because they've recruited so well sure. and developed so well that they could be banged up and not break a sweat. Um, you know, the game ball, you know, like I said, Riley Mills, Ramon Henderson, Logan Diggs, uh, Lorenzo Styles, you know, Joe Alt, Andrew Kristofik, uh, you know, back DJ Brown, backups at the beginning of the year who are now starters and are not liabilities. Um Especially that's surprising to me in the secondary because mm-hmm. I think I don't know if you felt the same way. When when Hamilton went down, it was it especially when he went down, it was impossible for me to see Notre Dame winning out without him. Um Sam Howell, Brennan Armstrong, who didn't play, Tanner McKee, who might not play now, uh, against Stanford. So it's yeah, they got some breaks along the way. I would have I would have loved to have seen Brennan Armstrong at 100% against this defense just to see how Notre Dame would have played it. Um, I think that's where Notre Dame probably would have been a lot more aggressive and scored in the 40s. Um, you know, Virginia would have gotten a lot more than three, but um, they've they've sort of navigated some very uncertain waters um, better than most. Like like you said, everyone's got injuries. Notre Dame just seems to be adapting better than everybody else right now. That that's sort of in their in their orbit. I mean, Oklahoma's one spot ahead of Notre Dame right now. They're going to fall, at least this week. There are three Big Ten teams in front of Notre Dame right now. I would imagine two of them fall. Well, it's almost by default. They have to. You know, if Ohio State wins out, they will knock out two of them. Um, you know. What if Michigan and Michigan State win? Um, well, I think if Michigan State wins out, they will have beaten Ohio State and Penn State, which, by the way, is not a quality win for anybody anymore. I, 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 I don't know if Pete's like trying to get at my alma mater because he was driving and watching the Monon Bell rivalry <laughs> in his alma mater, yeah, um, which had a top quality broadcast that kept going out on us on our phone. But um, it's not a quality win, but no, it's it's, it's a, a win and a. Usually hostile environment when they actually yeah, decide about I, their team. <laughs> I, you know, that would be Michigan State will have one in Columbus if I'm not mistaken. But they both they would both have to beat Ohio State in yeah. two weeks, and they'd so have the same record. Those those teams they would still both be ahead of Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame has no win like beating Ohio State. No, um, or Michigan. Yeah. So or yeah or or beating Michigan for that matter. So yeah, you would still be behind them. Um, you know, at that point, if they both went out, Michigan State goes to the Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin. You know, but if Wisconsin wins that game, then Notre Dame goes ahead of Michigan right. State, but probably not ahead of Michigan. Um, that probably prevents you from making the playoff, though. Um, I think I don't. Do you have to claw over everybody in the Big Ten, or is that point maybe you're hoping for Oregon to lose to Washington State or these Utah games that we're talking about? So. You need, Tied at 14 at halftime. You need the Big 12 to break a certain way. You can't have, if Oklahoma State sweeps Oklahoma yeah. or vice versa, then Notre Dame would probably, they, I think they would have a problem. What one, one, one loss, Big 12 champion will get it over Notre Dame. Yeah. So, and, it, I mean, that's why if it's week still, wins out. No. All right. Just stop. Stop it. 12 in one week? No. Not ACC 12. championship? No. Nope. <laughs> you don't think that would matter? Nope. I don't. 
They beat Brendan Armstrong by 20 points in the same in the same uh, building. Yes. Okay. I mean, that, that was <laughs> impressive a while ago. I mean, they lost to North Carolina. They already beat North Carolina. It's uh, I. Yeah, I don't think Wake. I think you're much. You'll end up with Notre Dame versus Wake Forest in a bowl game, opposed to um, you know one making the playoff and one not. I think they they both would miss out. So it's, but I mean Notre Dame is just they. What did how did Braden Lindsay put it after the game? Because I was asking him about like how do you how do how is the offense improving at a time when you're losing guys and he just says like we don't have a choice. That's Notre Dame. You got to win in November, and this sort of gets back to I think early days. Brian Kelly, where you know the the opening year where they went four and O to end the season with Tommy Reese as mm-hmm. starting quarterback, like they had some good November mojo going for a while that that sort of had collapsed um, mid Kelly. Now that's very much back, um, and you know I get it. The opponents are really poor. They're not going to play Stanford with Andrew Luck or Christian McCaffrey anymore. Um, that's that's just not is what wait, is waiting at the end of the road, but. Um, even if you adjust for quality of opponent being down, I think you would still have to come away with Notre, from Notre Dame being impressed that they're playing well. Um, I don't even know if you have to look that closely to, to find it. That's not. I don't. Have, you don't have to be creative to make that argument. I mean, we've alluded to this, and now that it's all but a sure thing. I mean, eleven and one. I think the bowl performance will factor into this evaluation, but. They go twelve and one and win a major bowl game with this roster yeah. in this e- kind of shape right e- now. Even if it's Wake Forest, which I know you consider like uh, you know all time St. Louis Rams sh- greatest show on turf type of team, but look at the stats. <laughs> they're, they're better. They're better than the greatest show on turf. Pete, um, that would be Brian Kelly's best good job in Notre Dame. I don't think there'd be any question about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, twelve and one, winning a first major bowl game since the nineteen ninety three season. That's that's been one of these really weird oddities of like Notre Dame struggling since uh, late Holtz era. It's just like they, they haven't gone and won those kinds of games. I realize Wake Forest is not Ohio State with Troy Smith, Anthony Gonzalez, Ted Ginn, and Santonio Holmes. Um, nor is it Ohio State with like Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott or LSU with Jamarcus Russell and Dwayne Bow. Yeah, but Jamarcus Russell. That um, <laughs> He was pretty good in college. Uh, that, you know, it, it wouldn't be that satisfying, which is why I hope that there's, you know, look, the, if you're looking for Notre Dame chaos and Notre Dame can't make the playoff, root for Cincinnati to make the playoff because that's your best chance to get Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl against a Michigan or Michigan State or maybe right. even an Ohio State. Um, if that's what you want to see, if you want to see Notre Dame against a, a better brand in the postseason, you need Cincinnati to make the playoff to open up the Fiesta Bowl uh, slot for Notre Dame because that's that's the outcome that gets you the game that you really, really want to watch. Um, and if the Big Ten somehow misses the playoff, which seems unlikely, but I think if you said the the most likely outcome is Ohio State runs the table, that means Michigan State and Michigan would all take one more loss. One of them goes to the Rose Bowl, the other one goes to the Fiesta Bowl, maybe to play Notre Dame. Yeah, I'll be very curious to watch Ohio State these next two weeks. I mean, I think we all know what they're capable of at their best, but this is a really tough closing stretch against two very hungry teams that – know they're in the thick of it for Big Ten and playoff race with two weeks left of the season. That that was the 96-ranked pass defense of the country coming in today, and they gave up 31 points to Purdue. I know they scored 59, so that didn't yeah. matter. But, like, I think I was just conditioned because of the recent history of this rivalry to be like, well, Michigan better win them all before Ohio State because they're going to get run off the field when they play yeah. them. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to win, but, like, that should be a pretty damn good football game. 
uh, if everything holds up the way it's, it has so far. Michigan State, Ohio State next week, like this ain't Mark D'Antonio's Michigan State. This is a really good offensive football team. They're not great defensively, but they're really good offensively. And they got a guy who right now is probably, behind Brendan Armstrong at least, uh, the Heisman, the Heisman runner-up um, nationally through, through 10 games so far. So I'll be very curious to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm with you. I think the Big 12, Big 12 also very backloaded schedule. Um, Oklahoma State continues to impress. Um, they got to beat their rival once, if not twice, to ultimately make it. We'll see whether that happens or not. Uh, it is interesting, though, because, I mean, how many times have we I – mean, we saw it last year, right? Like, Notre Dame goes up playoff, but because of how good Alabama was and because of the, the egg Notre Dame laid against Clemson, there was such a, a, a – so much pes- pessimism, right? It was yeah. just kind of like, for the love of God, just cover the spread. Like, <laughs> don't get embarrassed. We've seen this movie before. And I, I know enough fans, and we, we talked to some of them today, too, who – Share some of that sentiment, but I also think this is a year in college football where, like, by no means is this the best Notre Dame team you have ever covered. No. College football right now is Georgia and everybody else. Georgia's absolutely earned that right. I don't think they're invincible, but, like, they're clearly number one, and I think you can make a solid case for four or five teams to be number two right now. But I really think this isn't to, like, get too crazy and say, like, oh, Notre Dame has a chance to win a national championship this year. But, like, this is a year. Hey, whoa, but whoa. This is a year where if you, like, anything can happen. Did you like, crack Bronco Mendenhall's Red Bull right. case behind us in the coach's box as we record this podcast? Uh, unlike the Notre Dame suites, which have beer yeah. you know, with the uh, former BYU coaches. It's uh, Red Bull and Mountain Dew. No, but if Notre Dame got in the playoff right now, I mean, Georgia would be a huge. Actually, they, they did send out odds this week about what they would be, and Notre Dame was underdog decisively in all of them. But... I don't look at this as a, like, here we go again. They're going up against an all-time Clemson team. Here we go again. They're going up against yeah, an all-time Alabama team. Let's just get out of this thing alive. Like, I think there are a lot of, like, outside of Georgia, I think there are a lot of teams that could, like, stake their claim to number two right now. And even Georgia, as good as they've been, like, I don't think they're an all-time team right now. Like, I'd be surprised if they win it all 15-0. Like, I just think at some point when you have Stetson Bennett as your quarterback, yeah, like, you're going to lose a game at some point. Hopefully, for their sake, it's sooner rather than later. Um, they'll be in the playoff regardless. But I, I just, you know, if, if Oregon wins out, which they very well could, like, I don't look at them as this Goliath that, like, Notre Dame no. would be afraid of. No. Um, Ohio State, if the game's indoors, maybe. But, I don't know, I just, this isn't a year where I'm like, where I think that, oh, let's just go to a bowl and not get embarrassed. Like, no, like, I. Leave it all out there this year because crazy stuff's happening. Yeah, I mean, there's no no doubt about it. I mean, Notre Dame should have, I think, a sense of satisfaction about the way their season is coming together. And I think it, you know, if they're in the playoff and Hamilton is back, then I would give them a a much better puncher's chance than I gave them against Clemson in 2018, Clemson in 2020, Alabama in 2020, certainly Alabama in 2012, Um, and certainly. I would say even more than Ohio State in 2015. Um, it would be their best sort of, they would be in the best way possible to beat a team like that. Um, if you had a healthy Hamilton, which is a big if, to go with Mayer, to go with Kyron Williams, to go with an offensive line, no sacks allowed tonight. Um, you know, an offense that I think it gets a little trickier to prepare for by the week, the more Buckner gets involved. Um, you know, Kevin Austin, clearly the, the light is on and staying on with him. Uh, you know, Lorenzo Styles, Braden Lindsay. It's um, it's a it's a good team in a year where there's a lot of good teams 
Georgia is great. Ever, you know, there's some really good teams, but Notre Dame is kind of slowly closing the gap between good and really good. Um, you know, I don't think there's much about Notre Dame that you would say is like great, great. Um, you know, with the way that they're constructed, but to take a team that I think had some markings of like, yeah, I mean, are they, they going to backslide to nine and three? You know, could you talk yourself at eight and four? Oh, after the before the bye yeah, week, I yeah. think you could talk yourself at anything. Florida State, Toledo, you're like, is every game a toss up? Um, no, it's not. I mean, they will cruise through the second half of the season. I mean, what? I mean, we'll have to go back and figure out. Okay, at what point in the second half of the season were they most under duress for losing a game? Until Brendan Armstrong was ruled out, like I yeah, mean, uh, you know, DJ Brown. USC was. I mean, they were never going to lose that, but like, if we're going to go there, like seven point what was a seven point game. Yeah, I mean, the fourth start of the fourth after Kyron Williams' long touchdown run against North Carolina. DJ Brown is the oh pick, Carolina, you know, the, Carolina the right after took you know some to the end. some jeopardy, yeah. but. At no like, at no point did you have a Toledo feeling, no, um, or a Florida State feeling. It just felt like Notre Dame was in various, dip, maybe varied levels of control, but they're all levels of control. Uh, I think they're going to cruise through the final six games to get to 11, 11 and one to do that without Kyle Hamilton for all but I think eight plays of the second half of the season. Um, in addition to all these other injuries and illnesses, I mean, hell, it's like we're talking about Drew White as if if. He didn't have the flu; he'd be healthy. He has, he has no PCL uh, oh, yeah. functioning in one of his knees, and he's still playing. So it's uh, it's just it's impressive the way that Notre Dame has been a very clear, greater than the sum of their parts team this season, um, and that that to me is it's a sign of good coaching. Um, you know, whether you want to see Notre Dame score forty two or forty nine tonight, they're uh, they're a well coached football team because they expect to win and they behave like it. From start to finish, even on even on the road. Two things. One, we just has nothing to do with anything. But if we're talking about college football chaos, Kansas beat Texas tonight. Just wanted to <laughs> put that out in the universe for our listeners. Two, uh, Cool Media PR sent these out two days ago, so it doesn't account for everything that happened this week. But they had hypothetical not lines for like every possible playoff scenario involving the top ten teams or so. Not pretty, but I'm reciting them regardless because they're in front of me. Notre Dame would be a 21 and a half point underdog against Georgia. 20-point underdog against Alabama, 17 against Ohio State, 10.5 against Oklahoma, which I would hope that changed after today. Yeah. Here's one. Cincinnati would be a 7-point favorite over Notre Dame. I don't. And Oregon would be a 6-point favorite over Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. The only two of those that I'm not laughing at are Georgia 21.5. Not that I think it'll happen, but like Georgia's just dominate everyone. Yeah. I'm just like, sure. Uh, and Oregon minus 6 because like that's like essentially a toss-up game, a touchdown game. Yeah. Cincinnati by 7 right now. That... um. No. Doesn't exactly sit right. I mean, Oklahoma by ten and a half, uh, absolutely not. Even Ohio State by seventeen. I mean, where's the game? If it's like that's that's also why the Big Ten East race is fascinating. If Ohio State gets the Big Ten title game, they're going to win. They're going to win an indoor game. Like that's just right. it's a different different brand of football than what they're used to playing outdoors in November. Um, so we'll see. And like for all the talk of like how under the radar good Notre Dame has been, are we witnessing like the Brian Kelly 2017 2.0 in Ann Arbor right now with Michigan. Like, I feel like no one is talking about, like, those are the two biggest brands in college football, Notre Dame and Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michigan, I thought, was down for the count last year. I think everyone thought they were down for the count last year. The guy takes a major pay cut, pretty much fires his whole staff, hires from scratch. They're freaking 8-1 and one with their only loss on, like, the craziest game. Like, 
If anyone other than Jim Harbaugh is co- coaching Michigan right now, how much love would everyone be giving Michigan for what they did? Yeah. And for the blueprint they've shown about sticking behind your guy. Like, it's just pretty crazy to me. And, of course. That's, I mean, they found they followed the Brian Kelly model, I guess, they, in 2016. They did. They did. Yeah. USC tried it. Did it work? Now, now Nebraska's <laughs> um, giving it a shot. Yeah, now, uh, yeah well, sure. Um, <laughs> it's all the rage. Don't Nebraska's going to – Nebraska might – if Nebraska, without an offensive staff – uh, gets blown out by like 80 against Wisconsin and Iowa in the chemo the next two weeks. Nebraska may very well try the Texas thing, which was we're standing by our coach. Actually, no, we're not. And the new guy's going to lose to Kansas a year later and uh, a monkey scandal on his hands. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Well, now that we've hit the monkey portion of the podcast, that's probably a good time to wrap up this edition of the show. Do you have something else to add? Yes. We got to talk about the bad omen we started off with and how it ultimately today and how it didn't. Our waitress. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> our, our waitress named Quinn, which. Whether whether you thought it was more of a Brady Quinn or more of a Jeff Quinn oh, is up to you. I forgot about Brady. Sorry, um, the season's just warmed my mind. And so we sit down to watch some games at noon. Uh, Clemson UConn is on both TVs in our section of the bar. So I asked, hey, you know, could we uh, could we get one of those TVs changed to uh, Fox for Baylor Oklahoma? And she's like, I don't I don't think we could do that. Um, I think they want all the TVs on for the Virginia game. <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, okay, that's in seven hours. Um, the, the TVs never got changed. We watched a lot of Clemson UConn this afternoon, unfortunately. They got me a Wi-Fi password, so we were able to watch the Baylor game and Florida's uh, near collapse on my iPad. But uh, yeah, as soon as she said, good, good afternoon, my name's Quinn, I thought, oh boy, like this does not bode well for um, <laughs> Notre Dame's offensive line tonight. But you know what? They had a great rushing performance. Everyone comes out of the here happy. Um Everyone won except for both of our alma maters. Pete is a lot more invested in his than yes. I am in mine. Um, and we met a lot of you guys tonight. I, I, uh, maybe I need to hang out with Pete more often. People will be nicer to me. Uh, <laughs> it seemed like a lot more than usual, at least for me. Like There's always one or two at a game, but like everywhere we went. This was, was a, There were a lot. We got pictures. <laughs> a lot of athletic subscribers slash Shamrock listeners at the game tonight. Um, I don't know if that sort of says about something about the, the area down here in Charlotte. And they all talked about our flight plan. So like... You guys if, are you guys are listening closely. Any of our listeners were ever associated with Hitman or at a contract out press, we would be DOA. <laughs> like we would be toast. Um, we can't hide anywhere. So you know where to find us. I think we've done a good job of like like we're not driving and doing this. We're you know it's twelve twenty five. It's a pretty reasonable hour. Um, I feel like we're in pretty good shape. You still got to write and make sense of everything yeah. that happened tonight in words. But well, you're driving um, us back to Richmond, so I'll do that. I'm in the driving back of the while car. you're right. Maybe that'll be part two of this podcast. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, on the on the topic of you know where to find us, we'll be at the Richmond Airport at 5 a.m., um, which is in about four and a half hours. So yeah, I'm sharing a flight with uh, Tyler James from the South Bend Tribune. That's fantastic. So that's a wrap on the Shamrock, so we can get a little bit of sleep before heading back to South Bend. Uh, final here from Scott Stadium, Notre Dame 28. Virginia 3 as Notre Dame moves to 9-1 on the season. As always, he's Matt Fortuna. I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of The Shamrock.